Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Paul writes here, he says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Amen. With the help of the Lord this morning, I would like to just talk to um, this church, um, this body, and I just want to speak to the very thing that I feel is trying to tear us apart, tear this country apart. And I want to speak to you today from this title, Better Together. Better Together. Amen. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I just ask you, would you lift your voice with me one more time? Let's just pray right now. Lord, we love you. God, we're thankful to be gathered in your house and in your presence, Lord. We ask that your anointing would be released in this place, God. I pray that you'd prepare our hearts to receive it. God, prepare our souls, Lord. Let this word, let this seed find good soil in this place. We ask it all in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated today. (coughs) Amen. There are just some things that are better when they are put together. For instance, my... Uh, my title slide this morning has uh, a fan favorite, coffee and donuts. Any coffee and donut people here today? Praise the Lord. Uh, there, are, there are a number of things that are so much better when they are together. I was thinking about some things this morning that are better together. One of those things is hot chocolate, and marshmallows. Praise the Lord. They're just better together. And I, I, I many marshmallows for me personally. It's got to be the mini ones. I don't know what it is. There's such a joy in just the mini marshmallow. But I'll take the normal size ones also. Uh, peanut butter and jelly. It, they're good on their own, but together they're just better. How about vanilla ice cream and hot fudge? I mean, are we feeling the Lord in this place today? S'mores and campfires. They're they're good on their own, but together they're just better. Bacon and eggs. What What a heavenly combination that is. Tacos and Tuesdays. There's something about it. It's just better together. Or how about Oreos and milk and double-stuffed Oreos? I was telling my kids the other day, when we say Oreos, it's double-stuffed Oreos. There's no other Oreo. And trust me, I've got a degree in Oreology. I know about all the different types of Oreos, and I know that They are better when they are combined with a nice glass of cold milk. And 
Pro tip, 11 seconds dunked in the milk is the perfect bite, 11 seconds. So I don't have to count it off anymore. It just triggers in my, in my hand. There's a reflex that just, it's there. Some things are better when they are together. Now, how many of you, just trying to change course here, how many would, uh, of you would say that the last 18 months have just been kind of a nuisance? I mean, that's just being nice. How many, they have been rather difficult. And, and I don't like getting up here, and I don't like talking about the pandemic, and I don't like talking about all that stuff, and I don't like even bringing it up. I don't even like to give it time. Uh, but just to think about where we're at right now in this day and hour, it's really kind of hard to wrap your mind around it, uh, to be quite honest. Um, We've lost a lot of things in the, in the past year and a half. A lot of us have lost a sense of normalcy. And, 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 and when, when it feels like we're all of a sudden, here we are back to square one, and we're wondering when, when is normal coming back? Is normal ever coming back? When are we coming out of this? How many of you remember September 11, 2001, 9-11? Hard to imagine that we're just coming up on the 20th anniversary here in a couple weeks. 20 years to the day. How many of you remember exactly where you were and what you were doing that morning? A lot of you can close your eyes right now and go to the exact spot, the exact place, because it was such a moment in our history, a snapshot that was forever captured. What's interesting is that there are many crises that, that our country, our nation has faced. And through those crises, those, those crises, they have such a unifying effect. For example, 9-11, what I just mentioned, uh, when, when, when we saw those planes fly into the towers, and, 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 and there was such this, after all the smoke had cleared, there was a unifying effect like, this is our country, this is our nation, and we stand together and we stand united. There was such a unifying effect from that crisis. Unfortunately, though, the crisis that we face today, it seems to have the opposite effect. Instead of this uniting us as a people, as a nation, it seems to be more divisive. Instead of standing together, apparently we're becoming more polarized. And it, it feels like we're divided between two different groups of people. One says point A, one says point B, B, and they both, depending on the day, they both sound accurate, they both sound right, and we can appreciate both statements. And I remember uh, thinking back last year when we were deciding about opening back up the church, we felt this. We felt both groups of people and both perspectives and both thought processes and both ideas and and I remember there you know there was there was a little bit of tension there was a little and, and nobody we were trying to figure it out trying to navigate trying to do the right thing uh, and, and not just in our church and j just I'm talking about just in general 
all across the body, UPC, and even outside the UPC, churches trying to make the right decision where people are like, where is your faith at? We need to get together. We need to be gathered together. And then other people are like, no, that's foolish. We shouldn't. We got to do our part and we got to stay separate and all this stuff. And there was so much tension and there was so much division and there was so much that was going on, so much discord. And and I'm not even talking and mentioning even uh, the other pandemics that our nation was going through over the last year and a half. There's been some other crises that have taken place, not just not just COVID, not just any of that, but there's been some other things that we have faced in the last year and a half. And there's no doubt in my mind that over the la- this past time period that our enemy, Satan, I bet he's had quite a few laughs and probably even rejoiced and celebrated just a little bit because of all the division. Because one of our enemy's greatest strategies is to divide. Especially when it comes to the body of Christ. Because he knows better than anybody that we who are in the body, when you and I stand united and when we stand together in unity, we become an unstoppable force. Amen. Look in your Bible. The Lord took notice of this, those that were building the Tower of Babel. And this is what he said. He said, look, they are one people and they have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. You and I are an unstoppable force when we are united, when we are binded together, when we are together, we are better. We are better together. But when we are divided, we quickly become weak and we quickly become ineffective and often even overlooked in this world. So what I want to do this morning is I want to make the same passionate, faith-filled appeal as the Apostle Paul did to the believers in Corinth. This is what he said, our text again this morning. He said, I appeal to you, or I beg you, I urge you, I plead with you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, that there may be, watch this, this is what he said, that there may be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. He said, I beg you, I'm pleading with you, I urge you that there would be no divisions in the family of God, that we be together in mind and thought. Paul used the word that's in the Greek, it's the word divisions, and it is translated from the Greek, and it means a split, it means a division, a ripping or a tearing apart. 
Paul is saying, I beg you, I plead with you that there would be no division, that there would be no uh, tearing, there would be no ripping apart. You see, when we as the body of Christ fight and when we argue, essentially what we're doing is we are dividing the body of Christ. We're ripping apart the unity that makes us strong. We're we're tearing our faith that unties us and and, and we're undoing the faith that unites us to be a light in a very dark world. Whenever we fight, whenever we argue, whenever we let smaller issues divide us from our primary mission, we're essentially tearing apart the body of Christ. Paul said, I beg you. I urge you, I'm pleading with you, stand together as one. Don't let any divisions come among you. Now, if if Paul's beseeching isn't enough, let me show you the prayer of Jesus in John 17. When Jesus said this, he said, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one. That we would be one. Why? Why is that important? Why is that? Why should we do that? Why should we be one? This is the reason. So that they may be brought to complete unity, that we would be unified around the truth and the mission of Jesus. What will happen if we're unified? What will happen if we stand together? Jesus said this, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Why is unity important? Why is being together important? Because the perfect unity that Jesus was talking about, the perfect unity of all true believers, you know what it's going to do? It's going to promote the further acceptance of the message. It's going to promote the gospel in a way that you and I being a part could never accomplish in other words instead of being divided and weak if we stand together and strong and we resist the schemes and the attacks and the strategies of the enemy we could usher in God's will on earth as it is in heaven we would see a harvest like we've never seen before we would see a revival and be a part of a revival that we've never been a part of before because we are better together. Paul prayed that we would be together. Jesus prayed that we would be one. I ask you today, what if we would become the generation that is the answer to those prayers? What if we would be the answers to what they're talking about? That should be a part of your prayer life. That should be a part of your mindset that when we come into this place or when we step out of this place, God, help us to be united. Help us to stand together around the truth and your message. Lord, let this body be one mind and one accord. Together. 
The question is, how do we do it? How do we become one? How, how do we get together? What would it take for us to unite around the truth and the mission of God? What would unify the church? I'll tell you what unifies the church. Two things. It's two things. One enemy and one mission. One enemy and one mission. What would unify the church? One enemy would help us unite. In fact, the Apostle Paul said this in Ephesians 6 and 12. He said, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. In other words, we have to recognize that our battle is not against other people. I thought I'd get a little bit, a few more amens than that. Our battle is not against other people. Our battle, Paul said, is against rulers and against authorities and against powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. In other words, we have to understand this morning that the church down the street, they're not our enemy. Those who don't use a King James Version Bible, they're not our enemy. <laughs> Those who worship a little differently, than the, they're not our enemy. Those who vote differently than we do, they're not our enemy. The person with a different skin color, they're not our enemy. Those that have a different background, they're not our enemy. We have one enemy. And his name is Satan. He's the prince of darkness. He's the father of lies. He's the great deceiver. Jesus called him the thief in John chapter 10, and he said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil, our one enemy, Lucifer, wants to steal our unity. He wants to kill our churches, and he wants to destroy our witness as a light into a very dark world. Why? Because if we stand together around truth and the mission, we're unstoppable when it comes to proving and showing the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are better together. But when we are divided, again, we become ineffective. We become weak. What's one of the most strongest unifying forces that there is. I got one for you. A common enemy unites us. A common enemy unites us. You know this is true in your family. <clears throat> you might have a brother or a sister, and, and, and think back, you could, you could think back whenever you were growing up, you... Uh, you had that sibling that would absolutely drive you crazy. I mean, they would get on your nerves sun up to sun down, especially if you're the older one and it's the younger one. We're witnessing that right now with Bennett. Bennett has developed that evil laugh whenever he gets his way over his brother. I'm not kidding. But you know this to be true that you have those siblings and they drive you crazy. You might pick on them sometimes and they annoy you and you can barely tolerate them until 
somebody else messes with them. Until somebody else begins to pick on them. Until somebody else begins to shove them around and all of a sudden you realize that blood is always thicker. Hey, you can't mess around with somebody that I love. Hey, you can't mess, they're my brother, they're my sister. I hope you'll understand and recognize today that the devil is attacking the body of Christ and he's attacking this nation. And if we recognize, hey, we've got a common enemy this morning. If we'll understand that, that's gonna unite us. Hey, you can't mess with my my brother. Hey, you can't mess with my sister. We're going to bind together. We're going to pray in the name of Jesus that has all authority because we're better together. How many of you know that we, we've got the war plans for Satan? We, we know what he's trying to do. We, we know what he wants to do. We're not Paul told us in 2 Corinthians 2, he said, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant, ignorant of his devices. We're, we're, the, the child of God, he, he, they know what the enemy's up to. They know what the enemy's up to. We know what he wants to do. We know that he wants to destroy. But a church that is together is going to rise up and say, not on my watch, not in this day. I'm telling you, there is power in our unity, and we are better together. What's going to unite us? What will help our church to stand together? One enemy and also one mission. What did Jesus say after he suffered brutally on a cross? He looked up to heaven and he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He shed his blood he, he gave his life. He rose from the dead. And the last moment, he's speaking to his disciples, and he gives them, here's, he gives them, he says, here's your divinest. Here's your calling. Here's your reason. Here's your miss, mi mission. That's, this is what you stand for. That's a, th this is what he said. Here's your reason. This is what Jesus said. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Church, that's what you do. That, that's who you are. That's our mission. That's what we stand for. That's the calling of the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. We don't just go to a church building. We are called into a broken world. We are called to fulfill the mission of God, which we were created for. And guess what? That unites us. One mission. Sadly, let me ask you this. What are, what, it, what are we known for today? What's the, what's the church known for today? If you just ask any regular person just walking down the street, hey, what do you, what do you think of the church? What is your idea of the church? A lot of people will begin to talk about, well, I know church has a lot of traditions, and they're, they're very traditional, and, and, you know, they go to church on Sundays, and some of them go to church on Wednesdays. Some people would say, you know, they'd say that they know the church based upon, you know, the style, the certain style of the church. Well, they're a very traditional church. 
Well, they're a very contemporary church. Or they're somewhere in the middle type of church. That's a lot of times what the church is known for. Some people would say that, 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 that they know us for what we're against. Oh, they don't. They, what do you think about that church? Oh, they don't like this, and they don't believe in this, and they don't go there, and they don't associate with that type of person. Too often when people think about the church, they tend to think about what we're against. When Saul was anointed as king, he's, he started talking about all of his enemies. He started talking about, I'm against them, and I'm against those people, and I'm against those down the road, and I'm going to take up and be against those people. And, I'm, and we're like, great, Paul, that's great. We know what you're against, but what are you for? What are you, what, what if instead of being known for what we're against, what if as followers of Christ we were known for what we're for, that we're for love, that we're for grace, that we're for mercy and compassion and justice and generosity and forgiveness? You see, the Bible gives us one example and only one. For how they're going to know that you are his followers. For how they're going to know that you're his disciples. The reason that they will know is by the way that we love one another. You can clap for that. By the way that we love. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, a new command I give to you. A new command I give that you love one another as I have loved. So you must love one another by this. Everyone will know that you're my disciples. Wouldn't it be amazing if people would talk about Christians and talk about church, this church, and talk about the body of Christ and say things like, did you see how that person forgave that other person? Did you see how they were able to jump in? Did you see the grace that they displayed in that situa situation? And it's mind-blowing to think, but, 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 you know, I'm thinking about those Christians around the world, that, that they always stand with the oppressed. They always stand with the people that nobody else wants to stand for. They always give to the hurting, those Christians. Wouldn't it be great if that's what they said about this body of Christ, that they're the most compassionate, grace-filled, faith-filled people, loving, generous people that I've ever seen. Wouldn't it be amazing if when the world thought about the church, they wouldn't think about all the things that they're against, but they think about all the God's spirit-filled values that we stand for. Hey, I still believe the local church is the answer to this world. I still believe it's the local congregation that extends their arms out to a community that needs them. We're the answer, but we got to be united and let them know this is what we're for. We're for this. We're for grace. We're for generosity, compassion, love. Paul said this, he's a, and it's so important. Romans chapter 15, 5, 6, and 7, he said, May the God who gives you endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Jesus had. 
so that, everybody say so that, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify God. With one mind and one voice, united in mission, united to share the gospel. Now, how do we do that? Like practically, Bryce, how, how, do, we, how do we do this in our everyday idea? You go to work and you're on social media and you're dealing with so much and there's so much tension and there's so much anxiety and there's so much pain and anger in the world. How do we unite in one voice? Paul went on to say, accept one another just as Jesus accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Anybody want to glorify God? You want to glorify God? I want to glorify God. This is what he says. You accept one another. You love one another. In fact, the Greek word for accept one another, it's a very long picture-esque word that, that has depth of meaning. And, and essentially this word, it means to open up your arms and to take a person to yourself. Open up your arms and take a person to yourself. It's, it's to embrace someone. It's to accept someone to say, hey, 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 I'm not just going to let you pass me by. I'm not, but I'm going to, this is what it is, pulling someone toward. I want you to know that I love you. I want you to know that you belong. I want, this. that's what it is. I want you to know that you matter, that your life has value, that you have purpose, that, that I care about you and God loves you. And then it's a picture of taking someone by the hand and walking together as companions. We walk together because we're better together. Now, how do we do that? How do we accept people who are so different from us, Bryce? How do we accept people that maybe grew up a little bit different than I did, that have some different ideas, how do we accept someone that is not like us? Here's how we do it. Paul said this. We accept one another just as Christ accepted you. Now, how did Christ accept you? Does anybody remember? How did he accept you? This is what the scripture tells us. That while we were yet sinners... In other words, when we deserve nothing at all but judgment, Christ died for the unrighteous and the ungodly. He loved you that much that when you were not only imperfect, but the Bible talks about how you were unrighteous, that you were sinning against a holy God. That's when. That's when Christ died for you. That's how we accept one another. 
the same way Christ accepted us. Where does unity start? It starts with me. It starts with you. It starts with us. Right now, we're in a nation of people becoming untied, unraveled, uh, all divided, ripped apart. Why? Because so many of us are so arrogant, thinking that our perspective is the only way, that our line of thinking is the only way. What I would like to submit to you today and tell you is that Jesus is the only way. And our perspectives of how we see the world can vary greatly, but we can be unified around the truth that Jesus is God and God alone, and he He's the Savior of the whole world, and he changes life. I like the mission statement from the church, and Brother uh, brother Anthony, help me out, former youth president, just retired. Maynard, at Maynard's Church. I love their mission statement. It says this, taking people... As they are, let me get this right. I didn't put this in my notes. This is off the cuff. Something about accepting people where they are, taking them as they are, and giving them Jesus as he is. Something along those lines. It is beautiful. It's so beautiful, I can't believe I messed it up. But you get the point. Hey, we're taking people as they are. <laughs> so... So I feel like, and I'm not, again, this is, we, we have a great church. This is a great church. But I feel that there are some people who have missed an opportunity to have somebody be birthed into this because there was such high expectation for somebody who was lost. you got to remember, it's the lost. They don't know where they are. They don't know where to go. They don't know what to do but we accept them where they are and we take them to Jesus as he is and we trust and we are united around the truth that he is the savior and he changes lives. What do we need this morning? We have one enemy and we need to know that he's very real. He's attacking and he's doing it right now and we have one mission and it's indescribably important. I believe with all of my heart that the world right now is sick and tired of hearing Jesus talk. I don't think they want to hear the Jesus talk. I don't think they want to hear us talk about him anymore. I know that they want to see him. So guess what? Let's stop talking about him and let's start loving one another. Let's stop playing the devil's games. Let's not enter into all of the different arguments. Let's be together. Don't enter into the social media battles that are going on right now. That, that doesn't change anything. It doesn't help anything. We change people with our love for one another. With our love for them. We have an enemy, Satan, and his mission is to destroy but our mission is to show the world Jesus. 
Our mission is to be his witnesses. Hey, we're in a war. We, are, we have to recognize that it's a very real spiritual war. And the sides are not left versus right. It's the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of darkness. And together we unify around the truth and the power of Jesus. What can Jesus do? What can Jesus do, Bryce? I know none of you are asking that because we know the power that is in the, just the name of Jesus. But there are those who are thinking, what can Jesus do? How can Jesus fix this? This world is so messed up right now. It's a train wreck. There's so much strife in the vision. I agree with you. I'm not trying to deny that. I'm not trying to get you to close your eyes and picture some fairy tale place that this world is not. I agree. But the love of Jesus overcomes all of that. What about the addictions, Bryce? What about, what about all the different things that people are addicted to? The power of Jesus breaks the chains of addiction. What can Jesus do? My Jesus can heal your sickness. My Jesus can restore. He can protect. He can do all. He can free from the prison that find ourselves in, the prison of comparisons. He can calm your anxieties. He can give you a peace that passeth all understanding. Can I get a witness today that this Jesus that I'm preaching about, we can testify that's who he is. We are a part of the body of Christ, the family of God, the church. We don't go to church. We are the church. We, we don't. This church exists outside of this building. We are the church. And we can do infinitely more together than we can apart because we're better together as our music comes this morning I want to take you to a passage in Judges chapter 1 Judges chapter 1 the Bible says now after the death of Joshua it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first to fight? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have delivered the land into his hand. And Judah said unto Simeon, his brother, Come up with me into my lot, that we may fight against the Canaanites, and I likewise will go with thee into thy lot. So Simeon went with him. And Judah went up, and the Lord delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand. And they slew of them in Bezek 10,000 men. And they found there Adonai Bezek, and they fought against him. And they slew the Canaanites and the Perizzites. But Adonai Bezek fled, and they pursued after him and caught him, and cut off his thumbs and his great toes and Adonai Bezek said three score and ten kings seventy kings having their thumbs and their great toes cut off gathered their meat under my table 
as I have done, so God hath requited me. And they brought him to Jerusalem, and there he died. <clears throat> when you look at the book of Leviticus, chapter 21, you'll find where it gives us the requirements for those who, for someone who wants to become a priest. There are so many verses there that highlight things and conditions that if they exist in your life, then you are exempt. You're disqualified for ever becoming a priest. In verse 19 of chapter 21, there's a simple verse that says, Or a man that is broken-footed or broken-handed. This king, Adonai Bezek, he understood how important it was to an Israelite to have your physical body intact. If you are in, to this day, if you are an Orthodox Jew, you cannot be buried in an Orthodox cemetery if you have a tattoo. You, you can't. It's not by chance that that's what the first thing the Nazis did when they took the Jewish people is they tattooed them on their arm. They put a number on their arm. It was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking to an Orthodox Jew, and this was just as devastating to an Israelite to have your thumbs and your toes, your big toes cut off. It disqualified you forever becoming anything. When you study the Bible, you'll find that the word for Lord is Adonai. Judges chapter 1, we're, we're dealing with Adonai Bezek. Adonai means Lord. Bezek means lightning. He is Lord of lightning. He is, a, he is a, an Old Testament picture of the enemy of our soul. A lot of noise, a lot of flash, a lot of things, a lot of things stirring, moving, but he never builds anything. He only destroys John 10 and 10, again, says when the thief comes, he will steal, kill, and destroy. Most other translations say that he will kidnap, he will kill, and then he will mutilate. Hear me right now. You are the ultimate creation of God. You're the ultimate creation of the Lord, and the enemy wants to do anything he can, not just to kidnap you, not just to stop you. He wants to completely destroy you. It's not by chance that those prophets of Baal cut themselves when they took Samson, and they didn't just chain him up. They plucked out his eyes. Bible says in the book of Amos, thus saith the Lord, as the shepherd taketh out of the mouth of the lion two legs or a piece of an ear, so shall the children of Israel be taken out of them that dwell in Samaria. Remember the old children story? They couldn't put all the king's horses and all the king's men, they couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Well, we're not dealing with just any king here. The Lord that you and I serve today, he has the ability. If you all you have left is a leg or a piece of an ear, he can put you back together, my friend. He can put all the people. This God that we serve is a restorer. 
You can do a thousand things wrong, and all you have to do is one thing right, and it can change your life forever, and I'm living proof of that. I am living proof of that. It doesn't matter what you've done. When you make the decision to serve the Lord, it changes all that. Because sometimes all he has left to work with is just a few pieces. All he has left to work with, but he can put it all back together again. This passage of scripture, Adonai Bezek, picture it. When the, when the dinner was done, the king would push himself back from his table and he would throw the scraps that were left over from that meal he would throw it down to those 70 kings that he had chained underneath his banquet table and that was the entertainment for the enemy that was the entertainment of the night let's watch those used to be kings who with no thumbs and no big toes let's watch them chase around and try to pick up that This king had done everything he could to take away any hope that these people would have ever had. And when he was finally caught by these two men, Judah and Simeon. There's something so powerful that you have to see here. And when you go back, you'll find it. It wasn't just Moses, but it was Moses and Aaron. And they were replaced with Joshua. But it wasn't just Joshua. It was Joshua and Caleb. And now we're into Judges. It's not just Judah. It's Judah and Simeon. God has spoken to Judah. He said, I'm going to give you this victory. This victory is yours. I, I've got a victory for you. But Judah went to his brother Simeon. Judah means praise. Simeon means obedient one. And when he went to his brother, he said, I need your help to accomplish what God, what I know God wants to do in my life. And hear me right now. These kings, 70 kings, were not able to topple this Adonai Bezek. But two men were able to do something that 70 kings never could. And and here's why they were brothers they were brothers and we're living in a day and age where we got enough kings going out what you and I need right now is we need brothers and we need sisters we need combos we need oneness it's time to be together Stand with me all across this place. Hear me right now loud and clear, please. You and I will not be able to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish without having an obedient brother with us in the harness. Why? Because we are better together. I'm here to speak to you today. The day of the Lone Ranger is over. The solo acts are a thing of the past. This is duos where two or three are gathered together in my name. This is about being together. This is about being together in the name of the Lord. Look at those demons that asked Jesus. They said, have you, have you come to torment us before our time? You better believe it. You better believe it. 
When you read the book of Acts chapter 12, when they got the got, got that apostle, it says that there was delivered unto him four quaternions of soldiers. What's that mean? That means every six hours they were changing out the guard. Every six hours they were changing out the guard. Why? Let me ask you the question. Who's afraid of who here? Who's afraid of who here? What's going who they they are not gonna let one guy be chained up to that man all day long because they know before the day's over he's gonna be converted, he's gonna start believing the message, he's gonna be baptized, he's gonna receive the Holy Ghost. So they're not gonna gonna, so every six hours they're changing the guards. You have to look at this enemy that we have and understand, understand what we are dealing with. The enemy of our soul has tried his best to divide up our thinking about God, to divide up our thinking about the message, to divide up our thinking about church and our relationship and this world because he understands the value of division. He understands the value when we are separated. How would you like to be a demon right now? And you know that you picked the wrong side. <laughs> you know you done messed up. You know you, 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 you followed the wrong one out of heaven. You, you picked the wrong horse. You followed the wrong. Why have they never voted Satan out of office? Because they know their only hope is to stay together. Their only hope is to stay together. We are called oneness Pentecostals, but it is time to be more oneness than just doctrine. It's time to be together. It's time to understand the values of our brothers and our sisters. And hear me right now. The issues aren't going to stop. The problems aren't going to stop. It's going to be another issue six months from now or maybe sooner. And it's going to be another crisis after that. On and on and on it goes. This thing will not stop. He'll keep going. He'll keep trying, trying to keep us distracted, trying to keep us diverted, trying to keep us our eyes off of the goal and off of the prize. I urge you today to be together. I urge you to go out into this community and be the church of the living God. Be one. Be together. We are followers of Christ. Amen. They're not just gonna, they're not just gonna know us by how we vote and, and all those things or what we post online and what we're against. They're gonna know us by how we love one another. They're gonna know it. That's a church. They're together. They are together. They are together. They're unified. Every head bow, every eye closed in this place today. I bring this word to you today, not under any sort of impression, not with a perspective of thinking that this church has some disunity going on. What I'm trying to warn against, what I'm trying to urge against is what the enemy is simply trying to do over and over and over again, and it will not stop. Division, division, division. Divide. If I can separate, if I can isolate, if I could get them all by themselves on their own islands, I could get them to turn away. I could get them to fall away. I'm trying to help you today. Be together. It's time to be together. It's time to be one. It's time to love one another. As they begin to play and sing, I invite you in this place to lift up your hands, to lift up your voice, and just begin to talk to the Lord in this place.
Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.